Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, welcome to this edition of Believe in Grizzlies. Today I have Jason Smith. He's a part of the Jason and John show on ESPN 92.9. And he also is a co-host on the Grind Season podcast with Anthony Sane. And he's a great writer. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing well, Sharon. I cannot tell you how much of a pleasure this is to join you on your show. I appreciate and, it. Okay, and I appreciate you for coming on. I really do. Okay, so let's get to it. Um, what what were your favorite things about All Star Weekend? Oof, I probably got I probably got more uh, things I didn't like than I got favorites. But but I do. I thought you know I'm 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 always a sucker for just the player introductions, and I thought for the most part, uh, they were well done. You know, I didn't I didn't watch much of a. Uh, much of the Rising Stars Challenge on Friday, checked out a little bit of that, but kind of checked in Saturday to see, you know, how how it was flowing. I didn't think I'd spend much time, to be honest with you, Sharon, because I wasn't excited about the dunk contest participants. And going into it uh, with the three-point contest, sure, you had the stars, but but again, you know, I, I don't know. I just went into it with not much excitement. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised, I'll put it that way, by the dunk contest and what Mac McClung pulled off. That was certainly a positive that wasn't promised going in. I mean, that kid was amazing. Um, the halftime show of the all-star game, the Afro beat show that had a uh, Tim's and burn boy, I think and one other, I thought that was fantastic. Like, like the, the Afro beats movement and all that, like, like what that, that it, it was, it was the right halftime uh, uh, performance uh, at the right time. I thought, and then I, I can't even go into Sunday uh, sharing because I thought that was a lot of bad. So just in terms of, you asked me what I liked. Typical of the player introductions. I thought I thought were were fine, and then and then the dunk contest was a pleasant surprise. But man, for the most part, Sharon, it just felt like it on and just went on and on and on and, uh, and on and on. You already know. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead. So let's get into what you didn't like about it. Everything else. I mean, <laughs> from how uncompetitive the game was on Sunday. Probably the most uncompetitive we've ever seen, and I know the NBA has tried with the, the the you know many games. Each, Jason, each quarter and the competitiveness okay. of the game, but it was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so still got me. Yeah, you you kept going in and out a little bit. Oh, I probably you want you want me to start. You want me to start back over? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Just saying that you know. I, the game itself, it just lacked any kind of competitiveness. And after a while, it got old. You know, Dame shooting long threes, Tatum going for the, the scoring title, Donovan Mitchell, all that. Uh, it, it just lacked a competitiveness that that really d- to pull you in at all. And then from – it wasn't so much the game, you know, I kind of half expected it to be a disappointment. But the draft, you know, the, the player selection draft right beforehand, Sharon, it went on too long. I know they tried to flip it so whoever was picked last as a reserve wouldn't feel as bad with the stars going afterwards. But clearly, I mean, you saw, you know, Jaron end up getting picked last there. And I just thought the whole thing went on and on in a way it didn't have to. 
And so the NBA's got to do something, Sharon. I don't know what you do to make it more competitive, that game. Um, it doesn't sound like, in terms of on Saturday, like they're trying to improve the dunk contest in terms of trying to draw actual stars in. I mean, you had a guy that hadn't even played in an NBA game this year win it. And so I, I, if I'm Adam Silver, the focus for me at this point is at least fix a competitive. I don't know how you do it, Sharon. But they've got to find something to to make that more of a more must see TV because I didn't think there was much must see about it. I I don't think that like the NBA really care about the TV ratings, but the simple fact is they get a lot of views on social media because they tell them like the billion views. So I'm just trying to figure out what what will they do about it. And then like I saw someone said today that ratings you know like with all-star games and things of that like nature across all sports has been down because people are so tuned into social media so i'm trying to figure out what can they do better and um for me um only thing i really liked was the dunk contest the three-point um contest and i didn't like the skills challenge because i think they need to go back to where it was like an nba legend a current player and a WNBA player. I like that better than what we have now. I don't want to see the uh, Giannis and his brothers again. I know. That's, that's I just know. Not, that don't do it for me. Or or you have a WNBA players come in. You have G League players in there or whatever. They need to do something about that. That just like, And then the All-Star game, I mean – I didn't like the draft thing. And then it bothers me because people sit, sit up there saying that Jaron didn't deserve to be there. Oh, yes, he did deserve to be there. He okay. got there on defense. Um, Rudy Gobert got there on defense. Draymond Green got there on defense. So what's, what's different about Jaron? Because you don't like the Grizzlies. I mean, the man has been good for the Grizzlies this year as far as defense is concerned. You got he, he's the he best defensive player in the league, Sharon. I'm with you. He, I mean, he's hands down the defensive player of the year, leading blocks per game by far. When he is on the floor, uh, the Grizzlies are one of the three, two, three best teams in the league defensively. So you are absolutely right that you what you had in that was the best defensive player in the league and a guy whose offensive game has clearly evolved this season. You can see it, you know, about if the Grizzlies get the ball to him enough, Sharon, you can see it. Yes, exactly. He needs the ball more. It too, sort of inside the arc. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I'm sorry, I'm coughing a lot. Um, so let's get to the Grizzlies. Um, they are winners of three of uh three of the out of last four before the break. So do you think the Grizzlies are indeed fine in the West? For me, <laughs> I think they control their own destiny. Twenty five games left. If they go out and play Grizzlies basketball and make it fun again, I think they're capable of still being the second seed. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I tell you what, there was a while there where I was doubting it. You know, before they won three or four going on the All-Star break, I was doubting whether the Grizzlies could hold on to the two seed. But if you look at it, and uh, in large part due to the way they were able to salvage those games before the All-Star break, uh they have built enough of a lead now. What is it? Three games over Sacramento, yes. uh, four games ahead of the Clippers, I think four and a half ahead of Phoenix. They've built enough of a lead 
that even in a better West, it feels like, as you point out, with just 25 games left, they would have to really fall off. Now, and and, and those other teams, whether it's whether it's Phoenix or the Clippers, Sacramento a little closer, they're really going to have to catch fire. And you realize, mm-hmm. too, with Phoenix, I realize, yes, it's, you know, maybe as good a scoring tandem as we've ever seen with Booker and with, with Kevin Durant, but that's going to take time. Can they right. get that? Because unlike unlike Memphis and all these games matter at this point, they've only got 22 games. They've all Phoenix left, and they've also got one of the toughest schedules the rest of the way. So you figure with with the lead that you've built, there's a good chance you can hold on. I do think Sharon, so key to it is how quickly they can get Stephen Adams back. And I know that you know that's something we'll get into with how mm-hmm. important he is to this team. But we know he's ruled out for for Philadelphia tomorrow. And, you know, just so happens you get the, you know, the two best centers in the league to start your first two games back in him and Jokic after that. And so um, if they're going to do it, Sharon, I think we both believe it's it's highly possible and highly doable. But I, it, it would be nice if you could get Stephen Adams back in there very quickly to help cover up some of the uh, some of the deficiencies of this team. You know, they, they miss him in so many, so many areas like you like you've pointed out so many times um, getting him back seem and qu- relatively quickly and you like what you hear he's in the five on those stuff getting closer to, to to contact but getting him back feels so critical to to holding off the rest of the west for that for that two seat but i'm with you sharon I, I like where they're at and i think they can do it i think the chances are they end up finishing in that number two spot and, and i think that the break was a real really good mental thing from them where Pretty much they got away from basketball. They got away from each other. And I think that would help them work out because it's just like with John, he's been going through some stuff or whatever. And you can tell that he really wasn't having fun anymore. And so to me, when they have fun, they play their best basketball. Oh, I'm with you. I I think Ja is getting tired of being asked about, are you fine in the West? Draymond was doing it to him again this Sunday. And then, and then I'm with you on the break especially for Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones. Mm -hmm. I I think a reset for both of them in particular, because they've become so inefficient. I mean, Dylan with fewer shots, they're not dropping for the most part. I mean, shooting career lows, especially for the last month and a half. And then Tyus has gotten into this funk, you know, that's really kind of quietly hurt them in terms of what, what he's done in the month of February, it's been off the charts bad. And so, Maybe the break too, Sharon, for individuals like those two can help you, you know, take deep breath. You know, Dylan knows he's here for the rest of the season. You're past the trade deadline now. You know, just go out and play ball to your point, have some fun again, and get back to doing what the Grizzlies do. I think, you know, having the big guy in the middle again, that familiarity, I think helps all of that a little bit too. Maybe gives everybody a little boost of confidence. But they have to, Sharon. They have got to get Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones going from a from a shooting and efficiency standpoint. So, yeah, let's get talk about the Stephen Adams. Okay, like, I know that when I was on you and Anthony podcast before, people consensus was that Stephen Adams, you know, wasn't important. But we see when he's been out, we yeah. see how important Stephen Adams is. And I think that maybe that was fans in the media thinking that Stephen Adams was important. But now we see. <laughs> Ooh, don't we see how important this man is for this team like a slap across the face i mean it's it's been it's been eye-opening to see how far they've fallen without him just in terms of offensively 
You know, obviously, you Sharon, you know this better than anybody. You know the way he clears out the lane with the screens for job. Ja. Ja, yeah. But then, but then too, like we know they struggle in the half court. They're a team that that is not is 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 in that bottom third of the league in half court offense. And one of the things that helps cover that up is when Stephen Adams, you know, best offensive rebound in the league, arguably, uh, uh, is is getting you second and third chance opportunities. Exactly. Sets. And so that that covers up some of that inefficiency, some of that deficiency, uh, uh, the, some of the deficiencies of the Grizzlies in the half court. So there, there's so many areas. And and I'm I'm with I, I I'll put my hand up, Sharon. You know, when he went down, and maybe it's because of the way this team has handled injuries to important guys previously. Mm-hmm. Last year, they go, what, 20 and five without Ja? Right. Uh, a lot of that do a part to Tyus. But then they played long stretches without Dylan. They start the year without Jaron and are able to, you know, sort of tread water there until he gets back. So maybe, maybe I was a little bit jaded by the way, by how well they've handled injuries in the past to look at Steven and say, okay, this one's going to be, you know, as important as we've seen it has been. But we've learned, and 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 I tell you what, Sharon, like they're going to, and maybe they did there in winning that last three or four before the All Star break. But there are going to be times, just like at the end of the Minnesota playoff series that last year, where where you're not going to be able to play Stephen Adams. We're we're playing without him is the best thing for the team, and mm-hmm. so they've got to. They ain't going to become one of the best offenses in the league again without him. But they right. do have to learn again, Sharon, how to be effective with him. Because listen, I think Golden State. If you get them in a two seven, they're going to try to run Stephen Adams off the floor, going small. Now, sure, mm-hmm. it's a you'd love to impose your will and have Stephen Adams dominating them, especially on the glass. But if if Golden State's the one imposing the will, you've got to be able to 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 play that way as well. And so, because I, as important as he is, Sharon, mm-hmm. the future of this team is not depending. You're not you cannot be an offense that depends on Stephen Adams in terms of the future, right? You have to be able to. You have enough with. Ja, Jaron, and Bain, that mm-hmm. you should be better than you have been without Steven. But back to the point, for now, they miss him dearly. And 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 I think that that's the kind of shot in the arm this team needs is getting him, getting the big man back in there and and sort of getting on that roll again. Like you said, you know, having fun again. I think it's easier to do that when you when your big guy's in the middle clearing space for you. And like with Tyus Jones, I was thinking, you know, like we found out that his wife was pregnant and she was due. So like she was in our last trimester. So that may have been like that's right. That's right, Sharon. If yeah. it, it's not an excuse, but you know, we understand what that does and how that is. Absolutely. In terms of the focus level and everything else. Right. Uh that that you know, when you're when you're going through that. So uh I'm th- that's a point that I don't think uh enough of us have considered <clears throat> either, Sharon, in terms of what he's uh in terms of his struggles of late. Is that yeah? He was going. He's going through that as a, as an expecting father again. So um, yeah, man. Hopefully, like we said, the break helps with that, and he's able to lock back in because him and that second unit, Darren's so critical. You know, you yes. know it better than anybody. You know what that second unit gives you, what he's able to give you with it, uh, so critical to this team's success. The the bench had been a strength. Right now, it's right, right. Shaky. We need to get it back to being a strength again. Right, and then like having him playing with Brandon Clark or. And then Santi coming off the bench. And how well do you think Luke Kennard is going to fit with that bench? I I think eventually it's going to be a good fit, Sharon. And I really do think he's going to win you a game or two. Maybe it's in the regular season. More importantly, maybe it's in the playoffs with a key three. He fits well. I mean, you're talking about a team. I, I looked before we 
uh, before we we started the podcast that's the 24th in the league in three point shooting, and you're adding one of the best shooters in the league. So so that has to help just with the math. But the question, share is going to be, how long can you keep him on the floor? Right. Is is he too much of a defensive liability that that he's giving up more than he's than, than he's making for you? That's going to be the question. Can he be effective with that? You know, fifty plus percent corner three point shot effective enough that you know can he be out there on the floor to shoot it is basically what i'm trying to tell you or or is he hurting them in other areas where you can't keep him on the floor defensively i do think sharon's gonna be tough to play him if it if it's him and ja and that's your defensive backcourt that's tough you're gonna you're gonna be hunted by other offenses so so in terms of who you put him with you have to be careful but but sharon he's got to they need it. They need yeah, a guy exactly. with the way this team is spaced. How many times have we seen these wings miss corner after corner three, wing after wing three? Uh, they need a guy who can knock it down. Luke Kennard's a specialist. So why is he going to make some four or five game swing? Heck no, he's not going to do that. But is he going to is he going to be decent enough and on the floor enough to maybe win you a game? You know, a couple of games in a regular season, maybe one in the playoffs. I think so. So I thought for a team that clearly tried to be aggressive in going after a Mikael Bridges, uh, uh, going after obviously OG Ananobi, um, for what was left and what you needed to address, I thought this was an edge work trade that can help you right now, and you've got a little bit of a uh, control with the contract going forward. So overall, solid. It, it doesn't fix things, Sharon, but I do think he can help you. And maybe you know he's got. He, there's a playoff game where he gets hot and he's. He's got five or six threes for you, much in the way like a Hauser did for the Celtics in that game you played against them before the All-Star break. Uh and 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 is pulling you through in a game. You know, I could I could foresee that. Uh, but lo- anything larger than that in terms of contributions, I don't I don't think I'm really expecting. And I I don't, I don't think you want to set the expectations too high. I mean, can you keep him on the floor? <clears throat> you keep going out. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it keep going out. You talking, and then it keep going out, and then there's a drop, but it's fine. Um, let's talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I just think that he needs to be a more of a focal point on offense because you see how when they do that, you see how he just – he's like, to me, I think he's the best two-way player on the team. And I think they need to go to that more, especially when he's in the paint. There's a mismatch, and he's getting those shots. But I don't think Dylan Brooks should take shots from him, especially when he's going like one for seven, things like that. But I think they need to use Jaron Moore on offense for he, him and Jacques can be the duo that we all envision them to be. I'm I'm with you on this, and I, I want to see more of that two-man game between them develop. You know, I, I was a guy who, you know, grew up watching Carl Malone and John Stockton run that pick and roll, and you knew it was coming, and you still couldn't stop it because of the because of what both of them could do individually off of it. And I and I just think Jaron and Ja have the tools to be similar, to have a similarly dominant two-man game. And at some point, I think, I think you know, in terms of offensively and this team and its future and half court offense, I think you can feed off of that. That can be your bet the base of your offense at some point in the future. Uh, that said, no, I, I I'm with you, Sharon. I've been encouraged by the step I've seen from Jaron, especially inside the arc. 
You know, he's shooting a career best when he's almost 60%, 58, something like that. Much higher than uh much higher than last year. Overall field goal percentage is better. But it's it's really it's part of a bigger, it feels like maturation, involvement of Jaron to where he realizes, man, I'm as big and as fast as anybody in this league. Defensively, I got better instincts than anybody. I belong. And mm-hmm. so it's 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 you're seeing, I think, that Jaron realizing. I don't have to just stand outside, shoot threes, and show people I've got that skill. I can dominate this game inside the paint as well. Offense, we know he knows he can dominate defensively. But I think you're seeing a confidence that's coming with each game. As the Grizzlies, you know, almost like you're having to, you know, whip them to get them to do it. But as they're starting to feed him more, uh, I think he's getting better by the game offensively. And I just, you know, to think where – but he's still 23 years old, not going to be 24, I think, till September, Sharon, mm-hmm. to just think where he could be in a couple of years offensively is scary. Like, it's true, the unicorn-type stuff that we talked about where you can be a do- a real dominant force on on both ends. I think we're headed for that. So I'm 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 thrilled to see what I've I've seen from Jaron. You, you said this on podcast on the pod, on our podcast. They got to get it to him more. That's what I want. Exactly. That's and what that's I want to see. And that's, and that's on Taylor thing. Jenkins and Ja Morant. Like right. you, you've got a beast down there in the lane, a, a developing beast, and you've got to continue to feed that beast. So uh, it can't just be all Jaron. It's got to be on them continuing to make him a priority of getting him involved offensively, especially a lot of times as that number one priority when he's got that mismatch, like you said. And, and the last, I think the last four or five games, that's what Jenkins has been saying about yeah. getting the ball to Jaron Moore. And, you know, that's been a focal point for them to do that. And with Dylan Brooks, ugh, I just don't know what's really going on with him. He's never been this terrible. I, yeah. I, 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 wonder, I don't know. I wonder, Sharon, if he's just struggling with having less. I, I put it this way. He's got less of the pie offensively. He's gone from number two option a <laughs> couple of years ago in the playoff series against Utah to now the number four option. And so what they're essentially asking, it feels like to me, is to we, we don't want you at 15 to 17 shots. We want you at 8 to 10. And it seems to me like with fewer shots, uh, he's having a tougher time being efficient with that. You got, it's, it's more important than ever that you be efficient with when you have fewer shots. But for a guy who's used to and was at Oregon, right, taking every shot or at least on this team early on, he's the second he's the second option. You know, a couple of years ago, I think he's struggling with trying to be more efficient with with fewer opportunities. And he's got to find that balance. So the, the question is going to be, Sharon, is, you know, now that we're past the trade deadline is, is do you need him going forward if he's going to continue to be this inefficient as the fourth priority? Because you got one, Sharon, you got one, two and three and you can put Bain and Jaron in whatever order you want to behind Ja. But what this team needs offensively is that a fourth option who's efficient. And if Dylan Brooks can't find that Sharon on eight to 10 shots a game, uh, as good as he is defensively, uh, Jaron is the anchor of this defense. And so if he's, uh, that's why I look at the off season and I say, I mean, you saw how aggressive they were for bridges and for OG. I look at the off season. And I say, well, if we continue to get this Dylan Brooks Sharon, that's been historically low career low from the field through the playoffs, I just think maybe the question has been answered at that point of whether, you know, he's essential to this going forward. Um, you know, it's been that it's, I know it has not been what he had hoped for individually, 
Um, but the Grizzlies have got him, you know, where they need him slotted now in that offense. And it's up to Dylan to either, you know, find it with fewer opportunities or, to, or I, I fear, uh, find an opportunity elsewhere. I think it's going to be a business decision. Yeah, but he, I mean, he's like really good on defense and, you know, he guards mostly the best other player team, on best other teams. Team. He's yeah. really good at that, but I just need him to find his shot inside the arc. Mm-hmm. We need mm-hmm. him to do that. But I just think that if he, it start clicking with him, Bain start clicking, Ja clicking, Jaren, them all clicking at the same time, they really are going to be hard to beat. Oh, it'd be a beautiful yeah. thing. It'd be a beautiful thing to get and, them all on the same page at one time. That Dangerous. Dangerous. Right. And then I feel like, um, you know, like I said, they control their own destiny. Other teams, you know, they got different players, but they don't have the continuity. Um, They don't have the chemistry that they, this team has. And like I said, when this team is fun, having fun and playing their game, they're hard to beat. Well, hopefully they get back to that and maybe getting past the all-star break, sharing the whole, uh, we ain't worried about anybody in the West, not concerned, whatever, maybe getting that, getting that, that little fire back. Because I think, I think Ja and the team probably feel a certain kind of way about how they've been now beat over the head with that. Maybe I know uh, Giannato wrote this for the commercial appeal. Maybe there is some way to sort of get an edge back. Hey, we're the, I don't think you can go back to plucky underdogs. I mean, heck, you're the number two seed in the West. But there, maybe there's a way to sort of get that fire and that fun back, you know, feeling like they've been wronged or disrespected a little bit. They've uh, they've grown up that way, kind of looking for the disrespect, looking for the smoke. Maybe in some way you can sort of get back to that with the way uh, Draymond and the rest of the West, uh, everybody else, C.J. McCollum, feel like they've clowned on on Jaws comment, which what listen, he put it out there. You got to, you know, you said you you run up the chimney. You got to take it with everything that comes with it. But uh, maybe he and the team are back in a mode where, much like you said, they're having fun being the Grizzlies again and sort of being that underdog. I think that's when they're uh, that's when they're at their best. Did you see that uh, <laughs> that post from Stat Muse that had Dylan in <laughs> and John in the sweaters that uh, no <laughs> Shannon Sharp had <laughs> Oh my goodness! The, the, they were saying that you know, like from you know when they had the Shannon Sharp represent yeah. before how they was before and how they were after, and they had John and Dylan in the, in that blue sweater. Oh my God, that was funny. Oh some some Grizzlies fan got mad, but it was funny to me because they had John and Dylan in the scar. Oh, that was so funny. Some of them have oh. been good. I can't I can't lie to you. I've I've laughed a little bit at some of them, but it does it does. When I saw Draymond doing it again during the All-Star break, and, you know, you got to play against Draymond. I just – even I was like, man, it, it, it's starting to be a little bit of overkill. But but they have they, – they've gotten us with a few. They've gotten us with a few. Right. Okay, speaking of Jaron Jackson Jr., um, during the All-Star break, he beca- he was elected uh, the vice president of the National Basketball Players Association. You know, Jaron being a player representative uh, for for the Grizzlies for the number of years, and his mother is the executive director of the uh, women's um, professor. Uh, you know, the uh, I can't think of this thing, but the WN the WN. Uh, I can't even say it. WNBPA. Yeah, WNBPA uh, Association. She's the executive director. She's been doing that for a number of years, and you know, Jaron grew up in this space and he always wants to do it. Um, what are your thoughts on his progress as a leader in the league at 23 years old? Oh, I just love it. I think, I think it's, 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 it's a great thing for the Grizzlies. It's a great thing for the NBA. 
you know, to have most 23-year-olds in the league, I'm sure, are still thinking about themselves, their career. It shows you that, you know, we just talked about how much he's maturing on the court and realizing he's a walking mismatch. It just shows you that how mature he is at the age of 23 that he's thinking bigger. And I and I listen, I'm sure Jaron would. I'm sure, I'm sure the family, he I'm sure he would credit his mother and his father for raising him that way. Mm-hmm. For, for for thinking of something, you know, that that's greater than yourself, which is what he's essentially doing here and taking upon this responsibility of being vice president. He's thinking bigger than himself. And to and to ask that of a 23-year-old in the NBA who's now on a you know fat extension contract, everything else, got a music career going on, you know, a lot of it. Heck, I think of myself at that age. I was still so self-centered, I couldn't see straight. And so mm-hmm. to see Jaron realizing, and again, it, it's clearly part of the way he was brought up, realizing that it's bigger than just myself. I, I don't want to just help my my team and my and, and get paid while I'm in the league at it. You know, during my career, I want to make an impact on the entire league. And listen, you you know, you got the CBA stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got the new TV deals coming up. And so for him to be right there at the forefront of things in terms of how involved he'll be, it's a, it's a great time to be getting in into into uh, uh, the representation uh, with the players association. And and I just think it's it's another sign, Sharon, of what we of what we you and I believe is that Jaron Jackson is, you know, maturing and evolving this year, getting the all star nod into uh, not just a star on the court, but a guy who's going to impact it off the court as well. You know, maybe get some things done change some things uh help the community he'll have he'll have a direct impact and involvement all that it's great to see somebody so young uh uh knowing that it's you know thinking of something bigger than themselves right and then he said that he his goal is to get more of the younger players involved in their future because you know that's what it's all about to get them involved because it's just like this is gonna affect them i mean you're young now but you got to get involved now instead of waiting till you get, you know, older or whatever, get involved now because this affects your guys' livelihood. I, I just yep. think it's a, I mean, it's a wonderful thing that he's doing. It's a, it's a, a beautiful leadership quality that I think is going to, it's going to benefit the league, <laughs> but also clearly benefit the Grizzlies as, as well in terms of on the court, you got a, a true leader and a guy who's willing to step up. Uh, that's nothing but a good thing for, for both for Jaron, for the Grizzlies and for the league. So I was excited to see that for him. Now I just need him, Sharon, to not let Draymond uh, big brother him. You know what I'm saying? I, right. Through mentally when it comes to Draymond and the Golden State Warriors. And uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be pleased with just about everything with Jaron. Right. And then uh, Stephen Adams um, nominated him. That's what we found out um, during the All-Star Media Day. Just Stephen Adams. It, right. it, just, it just shows you. I, th- I think Stephen recognizes it in Jaron. And now, and think about this year. Stephen's been around, you know, whether it's the OKC days in Westbrook, like he's been around some guys who were stars. And right. so for him to, you know, see a 23 year old Jaron and say, hey, I want this guy representing not just, you know, our team, but I think, you know, by representing the league, all of us as players. I just think when you got a vet like that nominating you, uh, I, I think your point is clear that uh, clearly they see something special about you. Like I said, with a mom that's, you know, basically doing the same thing, you're following her footsteps. I think it's just perfect for Jaron. It's just natural. And it's uh, just, again, another tip of the cap to his progression as a leader, both on and off the court. And I found out uh, when he was on the Chris Vernon show, he's still going to college. 
he's still taking college courses and he's almost almost done. I think he said he's um at first he said he wanted to be a lawyer. Now I think he's studying communication. Now you but, know, now you know that that boy's mama is not gonna let him finish, <laughs> you know, not finish his degree. You know, you know the way they they raised him, they were gonna make him finish. So it does it doesn't surprise me uh, at all that he's still taking classes and gonna finish up. Right, because he said that he was, you know, was gonna like just show pictures and have him graduating, but he he said he's almost done. That's fantastic. So yeah, so, futures, you know, as excited as we are about Ja. You know, I, you know, a rise, a, a superstar in the making. I'm telling you, Jaron is a, you know, a, a future star just as well in his own right in this league. There's no question about it. Okay, last question: Where do you think the Grizzlies end up after the season? In the postseason? <sighs> I'm so I'm so worried about a a, a two seven matchup with Golden State. That Golden State ends up winning the play in and being the seventh seed. I mean, if you look at the way the standings are right now. You could you could foresee that happening, um, and would I be surprised if the if Golden State, who's won what six of the last eight times they played the Grizzlies, won the series? Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be disappointed. I think in the end, uh, they're back in the second round. Mm -hmm. Who against? I don't know. Uh, uh, again, the West is much tougher after the trade deadline. But I'm hoping we're looking at a season where they hold on to the number two seed. Hopefully, it's somebody other than Golden State they're knocking off in that two seven matchup. And then you're in the second round, you know, against who knows what. But um, I think it gets to the second round, Sharon, is my, is my prediction, after holding on to the two seed. I'd love to see this team advance the West Conference Finals, but a lot of times we saw it with the Celtics. Mm -hmm. You know, you got you got to take a step back sometimes or, or or you know, to take a step forward. So we'll see. Again, so much. If they can get back clicking, Sharon, with Stephen Adams, they were one of the best teams in the league, both right. offensively and defensively. Before right. Stephen Adams went down, if they can get back humming, if they do that, they can go to the West Conference Finals. They, uh, they surely can. Like I said, they absolutely. control their own destiny. They yeah. just got to get back to playing their basketball and say that they're not scared of anybody. So they yeah. have to be fine in the West. That's it. That's it. I mean, they, if they take care of business like that, they can beat anybody in uh they can beat anybody in the West Conference playoffs, Denver included, I believe. So. Yeah. Um, long as you've got a healthy Stephen uh, Stephen Adams, that's that's where I'm at. Well, Jason, I appreciate um, you coming on with me. I got to have you. I mean, hey, we clicked really good, so you got to come back, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Next time, I'll get my sound, my tech guy on everything, so I'm not cutting in and out on you. And uh, we'll do it again. It'll be it'll be smoother, even smoother. All right, uh, thank you so much, Jason. Holla. It was a pleasure. Take care. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube